Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to turn back to Proverbs 28 tonight. Uh, Proverbs 28 tonight. Uh, as you know, we're spending Sunday nights in June in the book of Proverbs. Uh, we've made the case, I believe, that we need God's wisdom. Amen? Or do you need the Lord's wisdom? I do. Uh, we all do. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Lord, help us. The Bible says Christ is the wisdom of God. Rich, I know tonight that if I have Christ... Uh, I can get into the book of Proverbs and, and read it and, and understand it and take wisdom from it, God's wisdom, apply it to my life practically and walk according to it. That'll be a practical help to me. That'll please the Lord. By the way, isn't that one of your purposes for being? Revelation 4.11, we're here in large part to please him, uh, to obey him, to serve him, uh, walking according to his word and his wisdom. Uh, most certainly, most certainly uh, pleases the Lord. And we've seen and I've reminded us and reminded us if we're lacking in God's wisdom, well, uh, we do well to pray, Lord help me to, uh, to gain wisdom from you, James 1.5, and Lord answers uh, that prayer as we dig into his words, uh, chapters like the one that we're in tonight. So, uh, we'll turn here, uh, Proverbs 28, beginning in verse 15 tonight. Uh, we looked at the first half of the chapter last Sunday night. We'll look at the second half tonight. Uh, I'm going to pray once more, and we'll jump right in here and see uh, wisdom regarding uh, a number of areas, several different areas uh, or spheres of our lives tonight. Let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Uh, Father, I understand tonight we can fill our heads with knowledge of doctrine. We can fill our heads, Lord, with knowledge of you. But, Lord, we need wisdom from you to walk according to our knowledge of your words. Lord, I understand tonight a man can have great knowledge of salvation, but he needs to have faith in Christ in order to be saved. Lord, we can have great knowledge of you tonight, but without Christ... Uh, we simply cannot walk according to your wisdom. I thank you tonight for a Savior, a Savior who saved me from hell, a Savior who makes it possible, Lord, to know grace and strength from you, to walk according to your words, to, to have a godly, practical wisdom in my life. Lord, one that will be a help to me and one that will please you. Father, wisdom that will lead to uh, Christ-like obedience, Lord, that pleases you, and Lord, that uh, you desire to bless. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that as we uh, see these few verses tonight, that we'd have a heart, a hunger, uh, Lord, to, to know these things and to walk according to them, not in our own strength, Lord, but with strength from you. Lord, help us tonight to know what your word says, to desire it, and to walk according to it in your strength, for your honor, and for your glory. Lord, help me now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, uh, the, the Proverbs are filled with wisdom uh, regarding sin, uh, righteousness, and unrighteousness. And one of the recurring themes, we'll see this tonight, is the Lord's desire to bless righteousness and uh, his ability and, and, and his desire, his plan to, to judge, uh, to chasten us for unrighteousness, thereby calling us back to uh, wisdom, his wisdom, and, and righteous living. Well, some, one of the areas we'll see tonight is, is wisdom regarding sin. Let's just jump in here. Uh, at verse 13, I might have said 15, but let's jump in at verse uh, 13 here tonight. Here's wisdom uh, regarding sin and the temptation uh, at times to want to cover up our sin. You ever wrestle with that temptation? You know you've done wrong. You know you've sinned against the Lord. Uh, and your initial inclination, your first thought is, I just cover this up. Uh, no one will see it. I can get away with this. No one will see it. Brother Art, maybe no other man will see it, but the Lord will see it, right? I can't escape the Lord's eyes. I do well to remember that. Uh, here's wisdom regarding the desire to cover up sin. Uh, verse 13, he that covereth uh, his sin, the next three words with me, please, shall 
not prosper. Uh, there's no blessing from the Lord in uh, desiring and attempting to cover up our sin. The Lord does not prosper uh, that decision. But, uh, so here's a point of contrast. Here's the flip side of the coin, if you will. But instead of covering up our sin, he says, Whoso confesseth and forsaketh them, sin, shall have what? Mercy, God's mercy in our lives, withholding the punishment, the correction, the judgment, the chastening that would otherwise be deserved. Hey, to not cover up your sin is to confess it. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, our first thought is not, oh, I need to run from this conviction. I need to hide somewhere. I need to withdraw from the Lord, get away from him. Uh, so, so that he can't see me, so that he can't find me. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves up, right? That, that was their inclination to cover up their sin, to cover up their shame, uh, so that no one could see it. So they'd not be reminded of it. I think they're, they're, deep down their thought was that the Lord would not see it, but of course he does. Uh, he does. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Uh, what's the opposite of that? Confessing our sin. What is confession? Uh, let's be reminded tonight. What is just agreeing, right? The Holy Spirit convicts. Hey, that's sin. This this thing that you've done. This 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 thought. This this desire. This this thing that you're focused on or this thing that you're doing, it's sin. You know the conviction of the Spirit of God. Uh, you could try to run from that or you could simply agree. And agreement is confession, right? Lord, I agree. I am guilty in that area. Uh, what is it that results in the Lord's mercy rather than his correction? It's confessing, uh, verse 13 says, and what else? Forsaking. They're not the same, are they, Brother Gary? Uh, they're related. One is agreeing that I've done wrong. The other is putting off the thing that I've done wrong. Uh, it's to stop doing that which I was convicted about and that which I confess. Yes, Lord, I'm guilty. I agree with you. Uh, therefore, my, my desire is to forsake it, to stop, uh, to leave it in the past and to put on obedience in its place uh, and then to move on. That's the decision that the Lord desires to bless with mercy, uh, and, and he, he does bless. Uh, as we've said many, many, many times recently, I cannot do that in my own strength. But when I yield to the Lord and confess, uh, I can look to him and find grace, strength from him to forsake the sin, to put it off, and to put on obedience in his place. Lord, thank you for strength in Christ uh, to do just that. Isaiah 55 and verse 7, maybe write down that reference. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Remember, sin, we, sin, we can commit sin in our minds. Jesus said we commit adultery in our hearts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. To our God, for he will abundantly uh, pardon. Aren't you thankful tonight that the Lord uh, doesn't hold us accountable uh, for our sin? Our sin has been covered by the Lord Jesus Christ, but when a, when a believer chooses to continue in sin rather than confessing it and looking to the Lord for strength, he'll, he'll chasten us. He'll, he'll correct us. He desires to grow us in and through uh, that process. So there, there's wisdom here uh, regarding sin. Uh, there's wisdom regarding sin in, in verse 14. Uh, verse 14 says this, Happy, or blessed, uh, is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart, hardeneth his heart uh, shall fall into mischief or trouble. Now, this morning, I think it was in Sunday school, can't remember when it was, sometime this morning, uh, we, we saw that, that the Lord uh, is never afraid. He's never afraid. He's got, we, we asked why. Well, he's God. Uh, he's all-powerful. There's no need whatsoever for him to be uh, afraid of anything at any time. And, and therefore, we don't need to fear either because he's our God. He loves us. He has our best interests uh, at, at heart always. And then you, but then you come to a verse like this one. Verse 14, happy 
or blessed, blessed and happy, uh, is the man that feareth always or always, uh, but instead he that hardeth his heart shall fall into mischief. What kind of fear do you suppose is in view uh, here in verse 14? What, what kind of fear, Gary? Fear of the Lord is what's in, it has to be the case, right? Uh, it has to be the case because we, we're, we're, we know that choosing uh, to entertain worry, choosing to entertain anxiety, uh, choosing to dwell in a fearful place, choosing that, that's sin, that, that, that sinful thing. The Lord, Lord looks upon that and says, hey, you're, you're not trusting me, that's sin. Uh, you're not trusting me to be uh, omnipotent. You're not trusting me to be in control, to be sovereign. Uh, that, that's sin. Uh, we understand that. But uh, fearing the Lord, that's not sin. He's, he's called us to have a, a proper biblical fear uh, of him, acknowledging him, a, a deep abiding respect uh, for the Lord. There's blessings uh, in store for those uh, who fear the Lord. But, so that point of contrast again uh, in verse 14, he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. The word underlying mischief has the idea of trouble. It probably alludes to chastening uh, trials that the Lord will allow us to experience uh, sometimes because of sin. Now, please don't forget this tonight. Not every trial that we experience is chastening, right? It's, it's, it, how do I know that from Scripture? Is there one book in Scripture that shows me that not every trial is the result of sin in my life and God chastening me or correcting me? Job, right? I mean, Job, God viewed Job as, as perfect, uh, very mature, very righteous. And the Lord said that. Uh, that, that, and yet the Lord allowed Job to experience very severe trials. Like, uh, honestly, we've experienced trials for sure, but we're not like Job. Uh, he, he lost essentially everything. His, his children, his, his wealth, he, I mean, just lost so much. Um, and, and yet he continued on in, in the Lord. Now, there's much more that could be said about Job, but uh, we understand tonight that... Um, that is the case. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart uh, shall fall into mischief, uh, trouble. The Lord will correct. He will, uh, he will correct. He will chasten uh, his people. Now, it's interesting that uh, these two ideas are sort of put in juxtaposition or, or contrasted with each other in verse 14. So uh, there's a blessing in view for those who will fear the Lord. By the way, if you fear the Lord, if you walk with a deep abiding respect, a profound respect for the Lord uh, day in and day out, that'll help you to stand guard against what? Sin, yeah, uh, absolutely it will. I think this is the idea here. If you'll, uh, if, if you'll uh, develop it, uh, uh, and ask the Lord to help you develop a proper fear of him, uh, instead of hardening your heart against him uh, and perhaps trying to hide from him, verse 13, uh, there's going to be a greater righteousness in your life and happiness or blessedness, blessings, uh, in our lives. Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, help us to develop this right fear of you. Uh, Proverbs 27 and verse, no, 23. Proverbs 23 and verse 17 says, be thou in fear of the Lord all the day long. Not cowering, but uh, having a deep abiding respect for him. Uh, Psalm 2 and verse 11, we're commanded to serve the Lord with fear and to rejoice with trembling. They go hand in hand, they're, they're not opposites. Uh, in Psalm 112 and verse one, the psalmist commands, praise ye the Lord. Someone translate that into Hebrew for me. Hallelujah, <laughs> yeah, uh, in the Hebrew, hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man, happy is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. There in that same verse, 
the idea of fearing God and delighting in his commandments, uh, they're connected. Fearing God and obeying God, they go hand in hand. They, they encourage uh, a proper fear, encourages a respect for, a delight in the word of God, and a desire to obey the Lord. Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, help us to receive this wisdom uh, regarding sin and, and righteousness. Uh, Lord, help us not to reject this, but to receive it and to walk according uh, to it. Verse 2, now, sorry, verse uh, 15 and 16, uh, the theme changes. So that's the nature of the Proverbs. The theme will shift around the focus. Uh, it's, it's all wisdom, but the focus of where the wisdom is being applied kind of moves around, and you need to follow uh, the Lord's focus uh, as you move from verse to verse, passage to passage, uh, but, but all with the understanding this is God's wisdom. This is the wisdom that the Lord has said we need. So uh, next couple of verses uh, deal with wisdom, but regarding leaders, uh, regarding leaders, uh, Verse 15, as a roaring lion and a raging bear, so is a wicked ruler uh, over the poor people. And verse 16 says this, the prince that wanteth understanding, the leader or the prince that lacks good judgment or biblical understanding is also a great oppressor, but, so here's that point of contrast, but he that hateth, what's the next word there? What's that C word? covetousness. He that hateth covetousness, verse 16, shall prolong uh, his days. So there's uh, wicked rulers uh, in view here who do not rule according to God's word with godly wisdom, with godly understanding, with godly judgment. And, and we've seen this all down throughout history. Uh, Gary, I think sometimes the Lord just allowed wicked rulers to come into history just to prove out the, the truth of his word. Uh, by the way, the Lord will have all kinds of reasons for allowing wicked rulers to come upon the scene uh, at various points in history. It does prove out the truth of his words, the consequences of wicked rulers. Uh, having a wicked ruler produces a variety of trials tribulations and even persecutions uh, for believers but stop and think about this in the new testament when can you see uh, churches being planted and the gospel being spread and more churches being planted uh, what was happening that caused the greatest growth spurt uh, in, in amongst churches uh, in the new testament it was well, was it times of relative peace and ease or was it times of relative difficulty, uh, trials and tribulation? It was the latter, wasn't it? It was the latter. Uh, churches thrive and, and people grow and churches get planted uh, during times of difficulty. And uh, some of us are old enough to think back to the 70s. Raise your hand if you're old enough to think back to the 70s. Come on, get them up there. Uh, churches were growing and thriving. Back then I was a lost kid making fun of Baptists. Lord forgive me. But what I do know is, is that churches were growing and thriving and churches were being planted. Great churches were being planted. That was a time of, of great difficulty in the world. Uh, it, was a great, it was a time of, of great turmoil socially. Uh, Vietnam War didn't end until 1975. It was a time of great unrest. Uh, it was a time people protesting that, you understand. Uh, it was a time of economic turmoil and, and struggle. Uh, it was just a, a great, great period of great difficulty. Uh, and yet God used that to get people's attention and to save them and to bring them into churches, to save them, to have them to be baptized into churches, to learn and, and grow and grow and grow. And they went out and planted more churches. There was an explosion of churches in this country uh, and around the world in, in a time of great difficulty. Now, you're probably reading and, and, well, we're all experiencing. We don't have to just read it. We're experiencing uh, some financial difficulties now with inflation being what it is, food prices and gas prices, and uh, now you're seeing in the news the, the possibility of uh, a real economic uh, recession coming uh, on the scene, as was the case uh, back in the 70s, a recession and great uh, inflation and high interest rates. 
that could be difficult. Uh, over the next couple of years, we could experience even greater uh, financial economic trials uh, than, than we are now. That's not to discourage you. But if that's the case, can God use that? Can he use that to keep us closer to him? If you don't know you're relying upon the Lord today, uh, in the next year or two, there might be some challenges that will remind us of that and draw us closer to him. We'll have, we'll have decisions to make going forward. Will we allow the trouble that we might face economically and financially, perhaps socially, to drive us away from the Lord, or will we allow that to draw us closer to the Lord? Uh, Lord, help us to allow whatever difficulty comes in the next year or two uh, to draw us closer to you. Lord, draw us nigh to you as, with the promise that, that you draw nigh to us. Lord, Lord use difficulties and, and trials, whatever they are, to draw us closer to you and to grow us, to grow our trust in you uh, and our reliance upon you. Um, no doubt the Lord has allowed wicked rulers, come back to our passage, at different points in history to, to reach people, that people would uh, suffer uh, as a result of the wickedness uh, of the rulers, and, and the Lord would use that type of trial to cause people to see their need for him. Lord did that in, in, in Judah. He did that in Israel, and no doubt he continues to do that into modern history, including uh, our own our own day. We'll skip over verse 17 tonight. Well, maybe we won't. Let's, let's not skip over it. Uh, here's a warning uh, regarding aiding a guilty person. Uh, a man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Uh, being, being guilty, uh, the guilt uh, that, that we bear can cause us to, to flee away from others, uh, including the Lord. And that probably fits back with verse 13, he, co he that covereth his sin. Verse 17, here's a guilty person that's done violence uh, and tries to flee away to a place of hiding. Lord says, let no man stay him. Let no man help him. Don't allow yourself to be used by someone else to try to cover up their sin, to try to cover up their guilt. Don't be party to their sin. Uh, instead, encourage them to get right. If there's a legal thing that needs to be addressed, encourage them to do right that way. Uh, if there's a spiritual issue that goes along with that that needs to be uh, addressed, uh, encourage them. Don't, don't, don't let them think that you'll help them cover it up. You can't hide from the Lord. We've said that already tonight. Uh, be, be a person who is in the business of helping others and encouraging others to get right as opposed to get further away from the Lord, trying to cover up, trying to hide uh, from him. Lord, help us. Lord, help us in this regard. Now, as we continue uh, in the passage here tonight, there's, there's more wisdom regarding uh, godliness and ungodliness. And as you well know, if you're a student of the Proverbs, this, again, this recurring theme of blessings from the Lord for walking righteously. Again, being reminded, I cannot do that on my own. I have no strength to do that. You may have the will to do that, but that's different from the ability to do that. You ever notice that? Uh, you may have the will to do something, but not the ability to do that. Uh, back in school, Brother Art, there, there were classes that I desired to do well in, but I really didn't have the ability to be an A student in that class. I wanted to be an A plus student in math and science at every level, but I ran right into the wall of my abilities. I had the will, but really not the ability to excel at, at higher levels in those areas. I could have the will, but not the ability. I have, I, I, hopefully, we have a will to obey the Lord, amen? Do you have a will to walk in his righteousness and, and his wisdom? Do you have that tonight? If you don't pray for that, uh, yeah, we should have that will, but I don't have the ability to do that apart from him. I need the Lord to fuel that, uh, make that possible. I, 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 I find that, again, as, as I yield to him. So there's great wisdom here tonight regarding blessings for godliness, yielding the Lord and finding strength to walk according to what he calls godliness and righteousness 
compared to or contrasted with the, the consequences of ungodliness. Maybe I have the will, but I'm not yielding to the Lord. I'm not finding strength from him. Uh, and, and therefore, my life does not reflect godly wisdom and godliness. It's just, uh, it, it reflects an ungodliness. That's all that junk that we looked at in the first part of this morning's message. All, all, that, all that garbage, that, that wasteland of carnality and immaturity, uh, that'll result in consequences. Uh, we don't get those things right. Let's see a few things here. Uh, in verse 18, we see this idea, the righteous are blessed, the sinful suffer consequences. Uh, and, and this is saved people. Uh, Whoso walketh uprightly uh, shall be saved. This is not the idea of, of salvation uh, in the sense of forgiveness of sin to miss out on hell. Uh, this, is, this is deliverance from, from trouble. Probably the idea here is deliverance from um, chastening. And that just makes sense. Whosoever walketh uprightly shall be saved. God doesn't need to chasten me to correct me if I'm walking according to his words in his strength. Right? That, that makes sense. Uh, but he that is perverse, ungodly, wicked, perverse, foul uh, in his ways shall fall at once. Uh, I understand that that's poetic language, but one man is picturing as, as prospering uh, the, the upright one, the godly one, where the other one is, is, is pictured as he's, he's perverse and, and he's suffering consequences, uh, he's falling. This idea shows up over and over and over again uh, in the Proverbs. Proverbs 10 and verse 9 says this, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverted his ways shall be known. In that same chapter, verse 25 says, As the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. Like a tornado comes and, uh, and just wipes away a house, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Lord, help me to walk according to your word, your wisdom, your righteousness. Give me the will to do that as I yield to you. Lord, give me the strength, your power, your grace to do that. I don't have it apart from you, but Lord, I look to you for it and I trust you to bless. Isn't that an amazing thing? God's told us what he will bless and he's, he'll, he offers us the strength to do what he tells us and then he blesses us for doing that. That's a good God, amen? Marilyn, that, that's a God who gives me much more than I deserve. That's a good and gracious God. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Uh, wisdom regarding blessings of godliness and consequences of ungodliness. Under that heading, uh, we see here um, in the next verse, verse 19, uh, the blessings of hard work, being a diligent worker, uh, contrasted with the consequences of, well, being the opposite of that, perhaps idle. Uh, verse 19, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty, plenty of bread. Uh, he that works hard will have food to eat. But, the contrast, he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Uh, this idea is roughly repeated in chapter 12, verse 11, where the Lord says, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Uh, the Lord blesses those who work uh, as he enables to work. And as we've said recently, we understand that older people are allowed to retire. Uh, some people are handicapped uh, different ways and, and cannot work. But the Lord calls most people to work and he gives, he, he provides the opportunity to work and, and provides for our needs through the work that he offers us, but we still have to do the work, right? Uh, sometimes you just have to say, Lord, I, I know that you're calling me to work and it's burdensome and it's laborious and it's, it's not fun, but uh, Lord, give me a heart to pursue the work that you've offered me. Give me, uh, give me strength, Lord, to, to dive into that work and, and to pursue it 
that you meet my needs through, through that effort. Uh, Lord, bless me as I yield to you and take up the work that you've provided to me uh, so that my needs can be met. Lord, help me not to be idle. Lord, help me not to pursue vain things instead of the work uh, that you provide to meet my needs. Uh, the blessing of hard work contrasted with the consequences uh, of being idle. And this fits well, I believe, under this topic of blessings for, for godliness uh, and consequences for ungodliness. Now, the balance or, or much of, of what we see after this um, deals with, with covetousness. Remind me, uh, Zach, what, it, what is covetousness? Desiring something that you don't have. Now, if I, if I don't have food, but I desire that, is that coveting? What, so how is it different than that? Yeah, something I don't need, probably. Uh, it, it's allowing myself to be focused on a desire for something that I don't have and honestly probably don't need. Or uh, maybe it's, it's something that I want more of but don't really need more of. God's promised to meet the basic needs of those who've sought Christ and his righteousness, right? Matthew 6. Uh, our challenge at times is to be content with the Lord's provision, right? We struggle with that at times. Uh, Lord, help me to be content with what you have provided to me. Uh, we live in an area... Um, well, the suburbs, at least, where many people have an awful lot, far more than is needed. And uh, it's, it's easy to begin comparing what God has provided you uh, to the much more, <laughs> to the plenty uh, that, that others have, and to become discontented. The Lord says, don't do that. Uh, be content. Be content uh, with him and his provision uh, remember, he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, help me to be content with you in uh, your provision. Well, uh, if, if, if we're not pursuing contentment with God's help, very often covetousness sneaks in. This idolatrous desire for more than we need. It is idolatrous. Uh, it's looking to something other than the Lord for contentment and satisfaction. That's, that's idolatrous. Um, so there's wisdom here regarding covetousness. First thing we see here in verse 20 is the, the idea or wisdom regarding blessings uh, of faithfulness versus um, uh, consequences of unfaithful greed and covetousness is probably what's in view here. Verse 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich uh, shall not be innocent. One man says, clearly implied here is that such greed and covetousness leads to trouble uh, and unpleasant repercussions. Yeah, amen. Proverbs 28, 22 says, he that hasteth he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not the poverty that shall come uh, upon him. Maybe the idea here is sort of get rich quick schemes. We, sometimes we become so covetous, let me try that again. Sometimes we become so covetous of things that we don't have that we're, uh, we're willing to do just about anything to get those things. Uh, at, if, if we're allowing ourselves to be ruled by covetousness, you could be pulled into all kinds of schemes, pyramid schemes, all, all sorts of get-rich-quick schemes, uh, or even crime, theft, robbery. Uh, th those things become, uh, become possibilities in our minds and hearts as covetousness, as we give ourselves over uh, to covetousness. Lord, help us stand guard against that tendency. Lord, help us to be satisfied uh, with you. Uh, in verse 21, you see the idea of covetousness encourages acting dishonestly uh, in order to get what we, what we want. Verse 21 says this, to have respect of persons is not good. Uh, for, for a piece of bread, uh, that man will transgress. Probably the idea here is uh, covetousness. Uh, leads us often, again, uh, to consider doing that which is not right or perhaps to, uh, to do things that come with some reward 
that we know are not right, uh, a leader that takes a bribe. Uh, He knows that's not right, but he's so covetous of that that gain, that, that money, whatever it is, that he'll, uh, he'll take that bribe. And there's a warning here um, in the second half of verse 21, for for a piece of bread that man will transgress. Piece of bread is a little bit, right? It's a little thing that's being pictured there. If you give yourself over to covetousness, uh, very often it doesn't take much to lead you to sin against the Lord, to, to pursue something that will give you some gain that you can kind of heap onto your covetous desire. It doesn't take any little bit that you can get, no matter how you get it, feels like something that you need to have. Lord, help us to stand guard against covetousness uh, and to be content with you and your provision. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. More wisdom regarding covetousness, verse 22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come uh, upon him. Uh, Coveting and scheming to feed your covetous desire uh, often ultimately results in poverty. Uh, Pyramid schemes come crashing down. Uh, Criminal enterprises get stopped. Uh, They get discovered and people get arrested. Uh, That which is not based on or founded on righteousness ultimately is discovered and comes crashing down. Lord, help us to be content with you uh, in your provision. Now in the balance here, uh, the focus changes and, and, and we'll look at these Uh, last uh, four, five, six verses here kind of quickly, but uh, there's wisdom here regarding relationships. So we see wisdom regarding covetousness. By the way, covetousness can affect relationships, amen? Uh, It can draw people um, away from investing time in others uh, and and sort of reinvest that time in in pursuing that which feeds our, our desire for more things rather than Uh, for feeding relationships. So so, uh, I think there's a connection here between the verses that deal with covetousness and relationships. That's sort of the bridge here from one focus uh, to the next. Uh, Wisdom regarding uh, relationships. Verse 23, the first thing we hear or see, he that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. And so We've seen this recently, but here's, here's another reminder. Uh, we're called to take great care in our dealings with each other uh, to avoid flattering one another, to avoid, uh, to avoid feeding each other's pride. We have enough trouble with pride. We don't need to feed each other's pride. Uh, he that rebuketh a man afterward shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Uh, We are called to be loving, and to be loving is to not flatter each other, but to be willing to lovingly correct each other, the idea of of rebuking. Uh, Not to flatter, that's not loving, it feeds our pride, but be willing to lovingly, calmly, meekly, gently, uh, in a Christ-like manner, correct and encourage each other toward godly wisdom and godly righteousness. The next thing we see under this sort of heading of relationships here uh, is wisdom regarding right behavior toward parents. It is Father's Day. Uh, Verse 24, whoso robbeth his father or his mother uh, and saith it is no transgression, the same as the companion of a destroyer. By the way, it's almost unthinkable that someone would rob his father or mother, uh, but people do it all the time. Um, That might just be rooted in the sin of covetousness also, amen? Uh, So there's wisdom here regarding right behavior uh, toward parents. Whoso robbeth his father or mother and saith, it's nothing, Uh, it's no transgression, the same as the companion of a destroyer. That's not good. Uh, That's not good. Uh, Proverbs 19 and verse 26 says this, He that wasteth his father, 
idea is probably his father's resources and chases the way his mother is a son that causes shame uh, and bringeth reproach. Reproach has the idea of shame also. Uh, Lord, help us to have uh, loving, respectful uh, relationships with parents uh, to respect them and, and their resources is the idea here. Uh, in verse 25, there's wisdom regarding uh, strife in, in relationships. And of course, we've seen this uh, in our study in James. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. James has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It sounds like James. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord uh, shall be made what? That's fat. That's a picture of blessings. That's a picture of blessings. Uh, not, not skinny and wasting away, but, but fat. It's a, it's a, it's a biblical picture uh, of blessings. He that's of a proud heart, self-centered, uh, not putting others first, but always putting himself or herself first, that creates relationship problems. We know that. When we humbly, meekly put each other first, put the other person first, that tends to peace. That tends to stability. Uh, that, that's the answer, the biblical answer uh, for strife that yields peace. Uh, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord uh, shall be made fat. He that pridefully, verse 26, trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Lord, help me not to trust in my heart. By the way, what, how does the Bible describe our hearts? Filthy, desperately wicked. The world says follow your heart. <laughs> it, just follow your heart, you'll be fine. Bible says our hearts are filthy. Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. Uh, if I follow my heart, I'm going to be drawn into filth and desperate wickedness. Lord, help me to follow you in your words, not my heart. Lord, help me to stand guard against that which my heart desires uh, to lead me into. Lord, give me a right heart. Cleanse my heart, uh, but stand guard against the, the wicked temptations of my, uh, of my natural heart. Uh, in verse 27, more wisdom regarding relationships. Uh, there's wisdom here regarding uh, right relationships or right behavior toward uh, the poor. There's an idea here of blessings for being willing to see needs and to help meet needs contrasted with consequences, chastening uh, for refusing to see the needs of the poor and to uh, help address those needs. Verse 27 says it this way, he that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. Isn't that interesting? There's a promise. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. Uh, there's a blessing that is promised uh, for acting charitably toward the poor. See a need, meet a need. But he that hideth his eye, closing his eyes to the needs uh, of those who have needs, he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. The Lord says, listen, if you, if you see a need uh, and you have the means to help meet that need, do that. I will bless you for that. But if you close your eyes to that need, uh, you're going to suffer consequences. You're going to suffer chastening. You may suffer, uh, you may, you may suffer a loss. Uh, because of that. I'll give you a couple cross-references here quickly. Uh, Proverbs 19 and verse 17 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. Uh, to give to the poor is to give to the Lord. Uh, he, uh, sorry, and, and that um, which he hath given will uh, he pay him again. The Lord uh, pays back that which we give in blessings to us. Similarly, Proverbs 22 and verse 9 says this, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. He that has eyes that are open to the poor uh, and, and needs and is willing to see those needs and to meet those needs uh, from our bounty, I'll be blessed. For he giveth of his bread uh, to the poor. Now, uh, be reminded that, that here in our church we have... Uh, 
we call it benevolence fund uh, where we invite our members to give to that fund at whenever you desire uh, you can mark your offering envelope a certain amount I'd like to go into that benevolence fund uh, and then as needs practical needs come uh, in the church uh, we try to meet those needs to the best of our ability can't always uh, fully meet a need and we have to be careful about how we use those funds we pray for wisdom to use those funds very wisely um, but you know, I think that's an example that's just a very practical example uh, of how we can honor uh, a verse like like that which we've just seen uh, we are called certainly as fellow church members to lovingly encourage each other and to lovingly help to meet one another's needs uh, to the extent we can. Now, I also told you recently, several weeks back, that I think there's, there's room within these verses, certainly, uh, for a church that has some means uh, to consider helping meet needs outside of the church family as well. And so I've encouraged you that, hey, if, you, if you're aware of a need and uh, our, our church may be able to help and um, help meet that need, uh, perhaps that's something that we can consider on a limited basis within the, uh, the practical constraints of our means. There, there's that opportunity as well. doesn't mean we can meet every need every time, but... Uh, I think if our heart is right, we're, we're looking for the Lord to guide us, direct us, to give us his wisdom, um, we, we ought to do that. The Lord will bless us as we do. So uh, keep these things in mind. Uh, if you have a need, uh, certainly don't be ashamed to, to bring that uh, to me and discuss that with me. Everybody has needs sometimes, or most people do at least. Um, our church desires to be a loving help to the extent that we can. Uh, if you have um, means to give to help to do that, maybe pray about that. Uh, pray about giving to the benevolence account as God leads, uh, as he directs, do so. Just note that on your envelope, and we'll make sure that gets put into that account to be used that way. And uh, that, that's our desire. That's our desire. Um, Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Let's stop there. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, we do thank you, Lord, tonight for your wisdom. Lord, we thank you tonight not just for the wonderful um, opportunity to possess knowledge of you and that which you desire, but, Lord, to have wisdom from you about how you would have us to put that knowledge into action. Lord, you've called us to love, to demonstrate love. And you've, you've defined specifically uh, examples of how you would have us to put that love into action to help those who have needs. Lord, you've called us to live righteously. But Lord, throughout the Psalms you, you, and Proverbs, you give us very practical, specific applications uh, of that principle. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Uh, Lord, you've called us to be saved, and you've shown us how to be saved, a simple, humble faith in Christ, a repentant faith in Christ. Lord, you've called us to live righteously, and you've defined what that looks like. Lord, thank you tonight again that you not only show us what righteousness is in our lives, you make it possible. Lord, I pray again tonight that you just help us to yield to you, that we might know grace and strength from you to walk according to your wisdom. Lord, if we need wisdom tonight, I pray, if we're convicted tonight, that we need your wisdom. I pray each of us just take a moment and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. And so I'm going to pray that James 1.5 prayer tonight, ask you for wisdom uh, in my heart, in my life. Uh, Lord, I, I need your strength to take it up and to walk according to it. Uh, Lord, give me the will and the means from you, your grace, to walk according to your wisdom. Uh, perhaps tonight you need to know God's blessings in your life. You pray a simple prayer, Lord, uh, you've shown me over and over again, just in these few verses we've looked at tonight, that you're a God who blesses 
a decision to walk in your wisdom by your strength and that you bless as we do. Uh, Lord, I need your, your blessings tonight in my life. Would you pour your righteousness, your grace, and your blessings into my life tonight as I take up your wisdom and walk in it righteously according to your words. Lord, thank you for making that possible and thank you for blessing my decision to seek your strength to walk in your wisdom. Lord, I'll do that tonight for your honor and your glory and I thank you tonight for the blessings that you pour into our lives as we do that. Father, I pray tonight that our church could be known as a church where the people are wise and godly, not self-righteous, not looking down on others, but simply humble and meek and godly and wise and blessed by you. Lord, I pray tonight that our church be known as people who are simply yielded to you, guided and directed by thy spirit and thy words for your honor and for your glory. I'll give you a moment to pray, church. We'll close with a song and we'll be dismissed. thank you for your wisdom, for your words, for your blessings. Thank you for conviction when it's needed. Thank you for chastening when it's needed. Thank you for correction when it's needed. It's a blessing. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Father, I'll close where we open tonight thanking you for being a God also who is a God who carries our burdens for us. Lord, I just pray tonight if any of us are weighed down by burdens tonight that you help us just to give them over to you, trusting you and thanking you that we can. And Lord, trusting you for peace that passes understanding when we do. Lord, trusting that your promise to keep our hearts and our minds in Christ is a promise that you're faithful to keep. Lord, help us tonight to give our cares and concerns, our burdens over to you, trusting you to carry them for us. Lord, thank you when we do, our load is lightened. Our load is lightened. Lord, I thank you tonight that your yoke is easy. Not a burden. Father, we do have burdens. You know that. <laughs> I thank you so much, Lord, that you carry them for us when we give them over to you. Lord, I know sometimes we, <laughs> we're tempted to take them back. Help us, Lord, when we do, to give them right back to you, to trust you, to trust you, to carry our burdens for us. Lord, I love you so much tonight. I thank you for being there for us, each and every one of us, each and every minute of every day.